In Brno, you're never too far from a grand echo of the past. It's in the clock tower that calls midday an hour early and has done since it foiled a Swedish siege centuries ago. It's in the many saintly statues and it's in the sword that's lately had a flash of floral colour. To cross the Czech Republic's second city is to meander a European millennia. There are empires in the spires, capuchin monks in the crypt and stern socialist housing blocks. There's even a dragon hanging out in the town hall. Well, it's at least got scales. Yet the Brno of today has levity that belies its weighty past. Spend a bit of time here and there's a spirit of fresh entrepreneurism and radical design that is now in revival. It's taking inspiration in part from a period when this city was a center of industry and design and when a generation of functionalist architects sought to pull away from the fetters of the past and face a nimbler future. What remains of that 1920s heyday are bare and beautiful banks lithe loft apartments crying out for love, and facades without an inch of fuss. Like the good folks of Brno, these functional edifices are never uptight, but rather tell of a spirit that is iconoclastic, optimistic, and a little bit eccentric. The Villa Stiasny, recently refurbed back to life, epitomizes this. Once a private home and now a museum, from the outside Villa Stiasny is a pion to form follows function. Cross the threshold and it's a gaudy historicist clash of tastes with extravagant staircases, brass spittoons and lion's feet on the furniture. The hazard of working with two very different architects. All across the surrounding hillside are lavish homes built in the 1920s and 30s for enterprising Brunoites, many in the city's then booming textile trade and back when this town was dubbed the Manchester of Moravia. There are sharp lines and handsome eaves in abundance and relics by masters of functionalism. Across town is Brno's centerpiece, the Villa Tugendhat, by Ludwig Mies van der Rohe, where every month thousands of tourists pad across its restored Italian travertine floors and admire the haughtily high doors, gracious views to the gardens, and come to realize that a living room can sometimes be breathtaking. Design has long been the backbone of Brno, Mies van der Rohe even named a chair after the place. Yet these hilltop villas also speak of a darker past. Many of the Jewish residents who once lived here fled their elegant homes as the Nazis honed in. War and communism hit pause on a city in its prime. For more than 50 years, rifles were this city's best known export. Some gunmakers still exist in Brno, inheritors of the legacy of its famed factories, and a pride in Czech ingenuity is a deeply knit characteristic of the locals. But the big business of today is students, thousands and thousands of students. On warm evenings, they fan out across the centre, flock to the restaurants for dumplings and party hard on Brno's so-called Little Friday. That's Thursday night to you and I before decamping home for the weekend. Student life here is of a higher grain. They sip finely brewed Moravian beers on backstreet cobbles that bronze in the late afternoon sun and do it all over again the next day after a stiff glass of Bekarovka, a spiced and diced klobasa or three, and a vivifying dip in the Svratka River. There are 14 universities in Brno today, and the sheer number of graduates who daub their freshly qualified names on the streets has grabbed the attention of the world's big tech companies. Many have pitched up in Brno's gleaming Lego-like new tech park, wryly referred to as the Czech Silicon Hill. Couple this with a sizable startup push from Brno itself, and the city aims to be Central Europe's go-to for research and innovation. 
powering all this is an entrepreneurial spirit that was muffled by the 20th century. Many who remember the days of communism will say that the joy in Bruno's resurgence has been the return of Portuguese, Italian and German accents to what was once called the crossroads of Europe. Only this time it is academic clout, not cotton, that's drawing them in. Bars and restaurants have opened to cater to the new business. There are cafes that make once forgotten spaces sing again and restaurants in restored functionalist masterpieces where bartenders pour out bottle after bottle of crisp Moravian wine. Then there are young ventures like Barcteri Neexistwe or The Bar That Doesn't Exist, dreamt up by its enterprising founders as the kind of dapper cocktail spot that Bruno never knew it needed. This city, albeit slowly, is waking up to the design heritage on its doorstep. But locals will tell you there are no tourists around here, and it could almost be true. You'll see few tour guides, no slow-moving queues, no stags, no lads on tour. This is proudly not well-trodden Prague. There's a certain individuality to Bruneau, distinct even from their bohemian cousins. It's an attitude that arises, perhaps, from being the second city, a tiny place that's nonetheless spawned industrialists and artists, writers and architects, and attracted many others looking for a close-knit creative commune or an atmosphere of opportunity. It's also a city where so much tumult has taken place, yet from the banks of the Riviera pools, where the city converges as summer hits, you can't help but feel that this heavy history is, with time, becoming water under the bridge. For Monocle in Brno, I'm Christopher Lord.